My name is James Metzger. I'm the lead pastor at Renaissance Bible Church, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into our podcast. At Ren, we really believe that God's Word is living and active, that God still uses it to form and shape and change lives uh, for all of eternity. And so our prayer uh, for you is that God might use uh, these words to point you and others to Jesus. May God bless you in your journey. Do you know anyone in your life that when you look at them, you think to yourself, Boy, by now I thought they'd be a little further along. (laughs) You you, you think, well, I've I've known them for quite some time now, and I thought by now they would be a little more kind, a little more patient, a little more loving. I kind of thought that they would be further along in their spiritual journey, in their walk with Jesus. The reason that I ask you is because there's someone in my life who, quite honestly, when I look at them, I think to myself, boy, by now, I thought they'd be a little further along. And I have to tell you, it's a a little bit awkward because it's someone I know quite well. In fact, it's someone I see every day. I tell you what, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you who it is. The person in my life who I thought would by now be a little further along is, well, is me. (laughs) I've been walking with Jesus for over three decades now, and quite honestly, by now I thought I would be a little further along. In my marriage, I thought... I would be a little further along. I mean, I know all the passages in the Bible about marriage, or at least a number of them. I've studied a handful. I I know that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. And yet, when I look at my own marriage to Melissa, I think to myself, boy, there's times when I'm so impatient and selfish and, and can just be unkind. I thought by now I would be a little further along. When I look at my parenting, I think to myself, boy, by now I would think that I'd be killing it. As a kid, I thought that I would be a great dad. I remember uh, as I got a little older, I used to babysit for my cousins. There were, there were three of them. I would head over to their house. We'd play a game together, order a pizza, watch a movie. Their parents would come home, hand me a little bit of cash, and I'd roll out. Occasionally, I would hear parents talk about how difficult it was to parent their children. And I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. This is easy. All you have to do is play a game, order a pizza, and watch a movie. Well, and, and then I had my own kids. And I realized well, parenting isn't quite as easy as I thought it would be. To be quite honest with you, when I look at parenting my own children, I thought by now... I would be a little further along. When I think about the spiritual life and walking with Jesus, well, I, just to be quite honest with you, I thought that I would be a little further along. I thought that the older I would get, the, the less anxious I would be, the more faith I would have, the the more unwavering I would be and steadfast I would be in my faith. I would doubt less. I would worry 
less. I would uh, pursue sin less. And yet, I find in my own relationship with Christ, there are times when I'm, I'm still anxious, when I still worry, and I still uh, do battle with my own sin. Just to be perfectly honest with you, I thought by now I would be further along. Well, if you're here this morning and you've had those same thoughts, whether it's uh, with someone else you know and love, or, or if you're being honest with yourself, if it's with you, then this morning I want to encourage you. I want to give you a little bit of hope. One of the things that I love about God's Word is that it oftentimes speaks to the very things that we wrestle with. And thankfully, God's Word speaks to this very issue. So if you're here this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I want to give hope to those who wish they were further along. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the first chapter in Philippians. The first thing that I want to point out is the audience to which the Apostle Paul writes. Uh, Paul writes to the saints at Philippi. Uh, when Paul writes the saints at Philippi, uh, he's writing to people who have heard and believed the gospel. If you've read through the pages of the New Testament before, one of the things that you'll notice is that oftentimes a book of the Bible is written to saints, but then you read the book and you notice that the saints don't act very saintly, right? It seems like they too are a work in process, like they haven't quite figured everything out. They're still struggling or wrestling through the Christian life. But when Paul writes to the saints at Philippi, he's writing to people uh, who have heard and believed the gospel. The, the gospel is uh, the good news that Jesus has come uh, to save sinners. Uh, scripture teaches us that all of us were born into sin, that there are things Things that we say and do and think that are contrary to the law of God. Uh, because God is just and holy, He can't ignore our sin or turn a blind eye to our sin. He must deal with our sin. Uh, thankfully, though, God is not only just, uh, He is also a God of grace and mercy. And so He sent His Son Jesus, fully God, fully man, uh, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. And when Jesus hung on the cross, the, the penalty that rightfully uh, I deserved and you deserved was paid for uh, by Jesus. Jesus was buried. Three days later, he rose again, defeating death and uh, offering a life uh, to you and me by faith in his finished work. If you're here this morning and you would consider yourself as one on the outside of faith, or you're here this morning kind of checking out the faith, or here because you have questions about the faith, then uh, I want to encourage uh, you and I want you uh, to know that there is hope uh, for you. Uh, but this passage that we're going to walk through together this morning is a, a passage written to God's kids, uh, God's sons and daughters. And so I want you to know that by faith, uh, that can be true of you this morning. 
So, if you're here this morning and you have your Bibles, you'll notice in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, For he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I love how the Apostle Paul begins this verse. He says, For I am sure of this. You know, there was a time in my life when I was sure of just about everything. It happened when I was about a teenager. In fact, I was sure about just about everything in life. In fact, I looked at my parents and I wondered why it was taking them so long to catch up with me. I had figured everything out. But the more life I've lived, it seems like the, the less sure I am of some things and the, the more sure I am of other things. Uh, for instance, when I was young, I was sure that the Detroit Lions would win the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not so sure. <laughs> then I was sure that the Detroit Lions would, would win a playoff game. And now... I'm not so sure. But, but then I was sure that the Lions would at least make the playoffs. Well, and now I'm not so sure. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, For I am sure of this. He's convinced of it beyond a shadow of a doubt. He, he knows this to be true. What is the thing that Paul is sure of? What's the thing that he's banking on? What's the, the one thing that it seems like for him he is unwavering? And what Scripture says in Philippians chapter one, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you... Uh, Paul is sure that uh, God began a good work in you. I want us to notice this morning a, a few things about this work. The first thing that I want us to notice is that uh, it is God who began uh, the work. He is the great initiator. Uh, there's a number of ways that God changes his people. When you think about it, God uh, changes his people through his word Right through scriptures, there's times when we, we read the Bible, when we take in scripture, and, and God changes us through it and by it. Uh, there's times when scripture serves as a mirror that's held up to us, and we can see ourselves through the perfect word of God. Scripture teaches us that God's word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. There's times when we, we read a passage in scripture, and for whatever reason, it it lands on us in a, in a way that maybe it never has before. And God uses that word, maybe that we've read a hundred times before, but he uses it in that moment in a unique way. And he changes us. There are other times when God changes us through relationships. He brings godly voices, godly men and women into our lives that, that speak truth to us, that help us see things that we didn't see before, that point out blind spots to us, that, that, that breathe life into us. Have you had that experience before where a godly man or a godly woman has come alongside of you and, and spoken truth into your life? And God, God oftentimes changes us through a godly wisdom and godly voices. 
Another way that God changes us is not only through his word. It's not only through godly relationships or friendships, but it's, it's also through life experiences. Oftentimes those life experiences can be difficult or challenging. In fact, I believe that God does his best work when we are at our very worst. When we've come to the end of our rope, when we've hit rock bottom, when we find ourselves in a position or a situation in life, when we can't figure things out, when we realize that we're not in control. Uh, It's in those moments that God is working in us to form and shape us into uh, the image of Jesus. So so God uses his word to form and shape us. He uses his his people to form and shape us. He, He uses life experiences to form and shape us. And he uses the decisions that you and I make uh, to form and shape us. There's times in life when, when, when we say no to things and, and God uses that to mold and shape our hearts. There's other times when God calls us to move and act. And so we move and act and, and in our action, God uses that uh, to, to formulate, to form and shape our hearts. And so God, God forms and shapes his kids in a number of different ways. But, but notice here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that the, the primary initiator in God forming and shaping us isn't, isn't just his word. It's not just his people or, or just life experience or just the actions that we're taking. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 uh, says that the primary initiator uh, in this, uh, this work of God is God. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. Who is it that began the good work? It's it's God that began the good work. And so you might be here this morning thinking to yourselves, boy, I'm, I'm glad that I was smart enough to finally figure this thing out. And maybe you look at your faith journey and, and you have one of those stories where you're where you're a natural thinker and you're intelligent and so you're you're grabbing books off the shelf and you're you're wrestling through what's true and what's not and what can be trusted and and what can be not and you've kind of walked away through that from that experience and and thought to yourself, "Well, I'm glad I kind of figured it out." You know, I answered all the big questions for life. Well, well Paul is reminding the church at Philippi, that, that the one who began this work in you is, is not you. It's God. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, the, the question then becomes, well, what, what is this work that Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Well, we know from, from here, other places in Philippians, and really through the whole of Scripture in the New Testament, uh, that this good work that Paul is talking about is, is a work of life transformation. Uh, theologians call it sanctification. If you're, if you're new to the church, or you're, you're here this morning asking questions or wrestling uh, through some of these big ideas, the word sanctification, 
sanctification might seem a little foreign to you. But what sanctification is, it's the lifelong process of being formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. It's a lifelong process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's the the process of of God kind of slowly but surely changing us into the image of Jesus. And it's it's lifelong. It it doesn't happen overnight. It it takes a, a lifetime of God's work in and through us by His Spirit and through uh, His grace that God forms and shapes us. Another way to to think about this work of sanctification is is in kind of three different uh, ways or senses. In one hand, we have been saved as God's people from uh, from the the penalty of sin by Jesus' work on the cross. We are being saved from uh, the power of sin in our lives. God's forming and shaping us. And one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. In, in our lives, but that doesn't happen until we see Jesus. So what Paul is talking about here is the, is the current work uh, that God is doing in us, informing and shaping us into the image of uh, Jesus. As I mentioned before, it's it's a lifelong process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, do, do you know that that God can and does? change people. Do you believe that this morning? And don't be so quick to answer. I I know we know the right answer to that question is yes. Of course he does. He does it all of the time. But I have to tell you, even in my own life, I can be uh, pretty cynical about the work of God. You know, people have said before that uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? And I know that because I, I have a dog, and, and Jack, our beloved Jack Russell Terrier, um, I haven't been able to teach him any new tricks. Jack doesn't know old tricks. In fact, Jack doesn't know tricks. Jack doesn't do tricks. Uh, but sometimes we look at people like we, we look at old dogs and we just go, well, hey man, they, they kind of are who they are. You're, you're not going to change them. We have this Popeye mentality that says, I am what I am and that's all that I am. And so when we see people people uh, moving and acting and talking like they've, they've always moved and acted and talked. We just kind of shrug our shoulders and think to ourselves, well, that's, that's just James being James. He's always been like that. Like he's not going to change or that's just my, my husband or, or my wife just being who they are and they're, they're not going to change because that's who they've always been or that's my boy or that's my girl just kind of being who they are and they're not going to change because that's who they've always been. Well, who, who says? I mean, who says that you can't change? Who, who says that God can't change you? 
I mean, think about just for a moment what we read about in Scripture, the the miraculous acts that God does. I I think about this in my own life because, like I said, sometimes I can be a little cynical about uh, God changing His people or God changing me. And and yet I read Scripture and I, I think to myself, I spend so much time telling people about how the God of the universe spoke the world into existence. Right, how God upholds the world with the word of his power. I I think to myself about the times when God uh, parted seas or or he withered trees. How how God uh, gave sight to the blind and sent demons uh, to to flight. I, I think about the times when God literally spoke life into people, not not just spiritual life, but also physical life. When he, he spoke and he raised the dead, he, he multiplied bread. God did miraculous things. And yet, oftentimes when I think about God's, God's changing people, I think to myself, well, that, I mean, they just kind of are who they are. Well, who says? Who says that God can't change you? Who says that, that God can't change your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter, your family member, your friend, your colleague, your neighbor? Who says he can't change you? I had a friend one time that said to me, James, all things are little things to God. All things are little things to God. If you are here uh, this morning and you have breath, God can change you. And when, when I talk about God changing you, I'm not simply saying that you can kick some bad habits. I'm not simply saying or suggesting to you that even though you've always struggled with discipline in your life, specifically spiritual disciplines, that, hey, you can start reading the Word, or you can start a prayer journal, or you can start fasting, or you can start giving, or or, or fill in the blank. I'm I'm not suggesting that, that you can simply start doing something that you haven't really been successful in doing in the past. When I, when I talk about God changing you, what I'm talking about is, is heart transformation. Right? God can change your heart. God changes our heart. This is the, the Christian faith. The Christian faith isn't simply uh, some list of do's and don'ts. I'm not talking about the fact that God simply makes us uh, a more moral people. I'm saying God changes our affections. There's, there's times when we look back into our life and think, boy, there are a whole lot of things that I didn't care about at one time that I care about now. And there was a time when there were certain things that were so important to me that I, I look at my life life now and they're no longer important. When we were in Honduras, I met a man who uh, was a part of this great uh, organization that helps with disaster relief. He was a, a businessman, had a great business mind, and, and he was about in his 50s, probably mid-50s, and he told me a story, and he said, James, I came to Christ later in life. I was 40 years old, and I started asking questions about 
uh, the faith and really wrestling with uh, whether or not God existed. And if he did, what on earth uh, was I here for? And he said about four years later, after this wrestling in his heart, he came uh, to know Christ. And he said, God just radically changed my mindset. He said, if you were to ask me when I was 40 years old what I wanted to do, I would have told you that I wanted to retire when I was 50. I wanted to move to the beach and I wanted uh, to drink umbrella drinks for the rest of my life. And he said, James, I'm so glad that uh, God saved me from that. Well, what happened in his heart was not simply a job change. It was a heart change. There, there was something, there was a way of life that to him was very appealing 15 years ago that he looks at now and goes, man, I'm so grateful that God rescued me from that. God has started a good work in you. The work that He has started is life transformation, the lifelong process of being changed into the image of Jesus. We also notice in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that it says that, that this is a good work. For I am sure of this, uh, that He who began a good work in you... Uh, life transformation, life change is a, a good work. Notice two things about it. One, it's, it's work. We as the people of God, you and me, we do not drift into godliness. Uh, we do not drift into holiness. It is not our natural bent. Uh, we are, are saved by grace, through faith, it is a, it is a gift. Uh, sanctification um, is, is, is a work of grace in our lives. It's not as if we come to know Jesus by grace through faith and then God leaves us to, to work it all out. I'm not suggesting that. I'm, I'm saying that, that life change oftentimes uh, is is a process that's met with, with some sense of effort. And what I mean by that is we, we don't simply sit back on our lazy boy and, and kind of take in life through a screen and wake up the next day and think to ourselves, I, I think I'm, I'm more Jesus-like today than I was yesterday. Instead, it oftentimes takes... Uh, decisions that we make. It, it takes effort. It takes movement. That effort and movement is supported and fueled by God's grace. It's His work. Uh, but, but, but we're a part of that. It, it does say that it's work, but it also says uh, that the work is a good work. Maybe we don't see the results of our movement. Maybe we don't see the results of our effort. Maybe it seems like we're striving and we're wrestling and we're fighting sin in our lives and we're not getting to the point where we want to get. We're not where we want to be. And yet Paul reminds us that it is a good work that God 
is doing. So what does Paul say? Paul says, God began a good work in you. That work is life transformation. It's the ongoing process of God changing us into the image of Jesus. Uh, We're we're taught or reminded that that work is work and it's good. And, And lastly, we see that this work that God is doing, he is doing in you. Now, it's important to remember that God is doing the good work in you because sometimes it's easy for us to look around and think to ourselves, but it seems like God's working in him. It seems like God's working in her. It seems like God's doing something over there, but it doesn't feel like God is always doing something here. And Paul reminds the church at Philippi, no, God is doing a good work in you. God knows you. God loves you. God's working in you. Not just his other kids, but you. I don't know about you, but that's a good reminder for me. Sometimes it's easy to look over your shoulder. Sometimes it's easy to assess the landscape and think to yourself, boy, it seems like everyone else is is growing. It seems like everyone else is learning. It seems like everyone else is being changed. It seems like everyone else is having these, these moments with God. What about me? Paul reminds us, no, God, God's doing a good work in you. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, God has sealed you with His his Spirit. And I want you to know, I want you to be reminded that God is doing a good work in you. Paul reminds the church at uh, Philippi that God is doing a good work in you. He has started this work. He is the one who initiated it. And he also reminds the church in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that God finishes what he starts. Look again at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He will bring it to Completion. God finishes what He starts. Have you ever started something before and haven't finished it? Did you ever get a project going, but for whatever reason, somewhere along the way, you, you set it aside and moved on to something else? You started it, but you never finished it. Ten years ago, when Melissa and I moved to Charlotte, one of the first things that we did was decide to paint our master bathroom. I still remember that project because it uh, it went for the most part as planned. We went and picked out the paint color and got the paint and we painted the walls. But when we were done with the project, there was this one corner uh, in the bathroom that we couldn't quite reach. I couldn't quite get there. I know it's hard to tell, but I'm not a man of tall stature. And I finished the project. Well, I almost finished the project except for that one little corner. The first day when I walked in the bathroom after putting everything away, I still remember my eyes went directly there and I remember thinking to myself, ah, it's driving me nuts. And the second day I walked into the bathroom and one of the first things that I did was look up in the corner at that little tiny spot that wasn't painted. The third day I walked into the bathroom and sure enough, my eyes were directed to that corner. The fourth day I walked into the bathroom and 
I totally forgot about it. I did absolutely nothing with that corner of the bathroom until 10 years later. (laughs) I wish I was making this up. Until 10 years later, Melissa and I decided to move. And one of the things that you do when you're preparing to move is you make all of the improvements to your house that you wanted to make the whole time you were living there, but you never wanted to spend the money so you can sell the house and let someone else enjoy it or have them completely change it so it's according to their taste. But I remember being reminded as Melissa and I were preparing to move that Ah, that corner that I had left undone 10 years previously was still sitting there, left undone. Do you know that God doesn't leave any of his projects undone? If he started a good work in you, he will finish it. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. It's good news because I can know in the lives of the people that I know and love that I look at and can kind of get frustrated sometimes because it doesn't seem as if there's as much spiritual growth as I would like. I can be reminded that God's not done with them yet. And a little closer to home, I can be reminded when I look at myself in the mirror, when I get frustrated with my own heart and with my own mixed motives and my own fickle faith, I can know that that just like God's working in them, He's working in me. And God finishes what He starts If you know someone in your life who who has a few rough edges, uh, who has a few spots that seem like they are left undone, I want to encourage you. God is not finished with them yet. He is still working. I love the quote by the old reformer Martin Luther when uh, he writes, This life is not health but healing, not being but becoming, not rest but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. Uh, We are, are growing toward life transformation. We're growing toward Christ's likeness. We're not there yet. We're not a finished product, but we are in process. God is in the process of changing you, and He's in the process of changing me. If you know someone in your life who who seems a little undone, be reminded God's not done with them yet. If you know someone who still wrestles with insecurity or jealousy or anger or envy or lust or fill in the blank, God's not done with them yet. If they're His kid, if you're His kid, He's still working in and through you. And it's a lifelong process. I want to share with you three things that knowing this uh, ought to produce in us. Knowing that God began a good work in you and He will finish it, uh, first produces humility. 
It produces humility because we know that we are who we are because of the grace of God. Our lives are not simply some self-improvement project. We're not where we are today because we finally got our stuff together and figured things out. We finally became a more disciplined. We finally were able to set some goals that we've met. No, we are where we are because of the grace of God. What should that do in us? It should produce humility. It should produce humility uh, as we look at others and see others in their Christian walk. And it should produce humility in us. The second thing that it should produce is patience. It should produce patience. And the reason that it produces patience in us is because we know that this is a lifelong process. Uh, We are so immediate sometimes in how we operate that we want things done like yesterday. And and God doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's a lifelong process. And when I say sometimes, I mean it always is a lifelong process of God forming and shaping us. But he's He's not done with us yet. That means if we're 16 or 17 or 18 years old that God is working in and through his kids. And if we're 70 or 80 or 90 and we still have breath that God is still working in us. He's forming and shaping us. But it's a lifelong process. And so it ought to produce patience. And yet oftentimes patience is the very thing that we can lack. I may have told you once or a hundred times that I had ACL surgery last December and and it wasn't long ago, just about six weeks ago, that the doctor cleared me to be able to exercise again. And I was excited because for for about six, seven months I, I stopped moving, but I continued uh, to eat cookies and, and something happened to me that I I didn't really want or enjoy and, and one day I got on the scale and I saw numbers kind of staring back at me and I thought to myself well, I want to change that I want that number to be different so I devoted myself to a strict uh, diet and exercise plan for for three full days 72 hours and I remember getting back up on the scale after those three days, and I noticed that I had lost 0.2 pounds. Let me say that again. I I lost 0.2 pounds. Not 2 pounds, but 0.2 pounds. And I have to admit to you, my first thought was, I'm done with this, right? I am, I am not going to put my body through this torture of healthy eating and exercise if all I'm going to lose is 0.2 pounds. I, I had worked to be where I was for a whole six, seven months of, of, of doing no exercise and, and eating kind of whatever I wanted. And, and I had committed myself to a whole three days of healthy eating and exercise. And I didn't see the results that I wanted. And so I wanted to kind of toss my hands up in the air and go, I am finished with this. But I lacked patience. But, but life change, life transformation, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes we think to ourselves, if we commit ourselves to, to life transformation or life change, and just the mere fact that we thought about it or that we committed ourselves to it should mean that we're suddenly different. God doesn't work that way. Oftentimes it takes a, a lifetime uh, for God to form and shape us into the image of Jesus. And so it ought 
to produce patience in us. Uh, if you've ever been to the Billy Graham Library, perhaps you've noticed the, the gravestone of, of Ruth Bell Graham, uh, Billy Graham's wife. And uh, she put on her gravestone these words. I love it. It says, um, uh, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. Now, there, there is a woman who, who knew that the end of construction was at the end of life. And she simply said to those who knew her, thank you for your patience. Uh, knowing that God is working in us, that it's his work, that it's a good work, and that he's going to finish the work, should produce patience in us. And the last thing that it should produce is hope. And it produces hope because this word, this promise, rests in the faithfulness and the assurance that God gives to us. And knowing that God's character means that God does not lie that he finishes what he started, that his word can be trusted, means that there is hope uh, for you and for me. I love the words that we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Uh, one day this work that God has started in us will be finished. And so friends, I want to encourage you uh, this morning. If you are here and you have ever thought to yourself about someone else, boy, I, I thought by now they would be a little further along. Or if you could be totally honest with yourself and admit, well, I've, I've thought that about myself before, then I want you to know that my prayer uh, for you is that the living God uh, would create a sense of humility in your heart as you are reminded that it's His work, uh, that He would grant to you by His Spirit the patience uh, that is needed as we navigate our way through uh, the Christian life, and that God in His goodness would pour hope into your hearts. Uh, there are many things that I do not know, but I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus.